0: Hello everybody, my name is Landon Arias, thanks for listening to episode 201 of the Vortex Apologetic Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Vortex Apologetic, where substance reigns over mindless entertainment. Because biblical truth matters in a profound, timely, and urgent way in a lost and dying world. And now, introducing your humble servants in Jesus Christ, Ricardo, AKA, Beef, Arenas, and Jeff, The Brain, Claiborne.
2: Lord, we are grateful and thankful for once again being able to gather in this way, Lord. I am grateful and thankful for The Brain's life, Lord, uh, as he continues to live life out there in the East Coast, Lord. uh, Father, continue to bless him, Father, and uh, lead him and guide him, Father. Uh, as you conform him to your will, Lord. Uh, Thank you for his life, Lord. Uh, And I thank you for his friendship, Lord. What a blessing it is that we can continue to carry on with this podcast, Father. Father, may that everything that we speak about is for your glory, Lord, and that we can inform people and encourage them, Father, to seek out these things, Lord, and be Bereans, Father, when it comes to uh, learning about our culture, learning about our, our world, Lord, and how to act, Father, how to carry ourselves, Father, and uh, what the out- most important thing is, and it's uh, standing on the truth, Father, which is your word, Father. Let us be wise. Let us be discerning, Father. Let us continue to glorify you in this regard, Lord. Thank you for life, the opportunity to give us to uh, once again do this, Lord. I praise you and thank you, Father, whatever material we cover today, Lord. May it be a blessing to those that listen, Father, that uh, this podcast can continue to be shared over different uh, social medias, platforms, and Father, that people will help us by suggesting and uh, referring us, Father. And thank you for all that you do. May everything that we say glorify your name, Father, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brain. Brain, brain. Hey, oh, I thought you fell asleep. Hey. Were you asleep? I was waiting for a snore.
0: I'm an old man, brother. I <laughs> sleep a lot.
2: <laughs> and you look, you look extremely comfortable, let me just say. Something uh, yeah. about, what, a pillow right behind your back? and, and
1: I don't know, you mentioned always,
2: something about I a new... Just,
0: now what? La- lap
2: desk. That- <laughs> it's like what in the world? Where am I going to see somebody handing you a drink? Not even handing you. They're going to hold a drink so you can take a sip. So we're going to see on the screen coming by like this. Some palm trees coming yeah. up and down like they're. <laughs> uh,
0: Alfred, yes, could I have that, Alfred? <laughs> <thank you.
2: laughs> This man's retired life, I tell you.
0: My imaginary
2: butler. <laughs> You're imaginary butler.
0: <laughs>
2: oh, hey, hey, hey! At least oh, you think goodness. about one, you okay. know. You imagine one.
0: <laughs> that's about. That's about as far as I'm going to get on that, brother. I'm going to imagine one. That's about it. That. <laughs> I'm not going to go much further than that. So, I, I'm reading. Uh, I got some new books. Two of them are upstairs. One of them is down here with me. I'm in Chapter Eight, The Great Reset by Alex Jones. Reading that one right now. Ah, okay. Alex, I bought your book. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> are you doing an ad for him right now? Is that what
0: you're doing? <laughs> no, I just want to let him know. No, I bought my. I bought his book.
2: <laughs> that is awesome. So have you you started, have you started reading that book?
0: I'm in chapter eight. Oh, wow. Uh, Out of, uh, I'm mostly, yeah, chapter eight. Uh, And it's got, um, if I recall, 10 or 11 chapters. I'm almost done with it. Uh, It's got 10 chapters. Oh,
2: yeah. How is it so far?
0: uh, it's worth a read. I've oh, okay. enjoyed it. I think he's he did a very good job with with what he wrote. Yeah, can you tell us so, a little bit about that? Well, he's you know how uh, Klaus Schwab wrote mm-hmm. uh, COVID nineteen, the Great Reset. That was his book,
1: right? Well, this is
0: Alex Jones' book on what is the Great Reset. What what is that ah, all
2: about? Okay,
0: and who's 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 doing it and you know what what is their what's their plans what's their intention and in doing a great reset so if you want to understand what the great reset is and what it's about um he does a great job of explaining it <clears throat> and he and he quotes like swab and yvonne noah hareri and those guys he quotes mm. them and then then he explains what they're talking about and oh very what cool his thoughts are so it's really good
2: that's awesome. Good stuff. So, mm-hmm.
0: so that. anyway,
2: <clears throat> no, go ahead. Go ahead, bro. Take it, take it. No, I was going to say, uh, what else? Uh, what do you have for us this week? I know my brother. And as we always, you know, say or tel- tell people, he has his own channel that he releases videos and it, a lot of good stuff. But he released recently a video on the uni party. And I haven't, I haven't yet quite listened to it, but through friends of ours, they're like, hey, this uni party that the brain is talking about, do you know what he's talking about? And I was like, I've heard of the uni party. I don't know what he's said yet because I haven't gotten to the video, but I will get to the video. But since we have you right here, why don't you tell us a little bit about that uni party?
0: Uni party is a term that's become popular in social media. Okay, um, and it's just it's just a term that describes people's sentiment that there's really no difference between the Democrats and the establishment Republicans.
1: Mm. And I emphasize
0: establishment Republicans, the mainline, mainstream, yeah. uh, so-called conservative Fox News Republicans. Okay, right, right. If you want to put it that way, uh, <clears throat> generic conservative fox news republicans how's that um uh versus maga republicans who are not a part of the uni party they're pushing back against the the uni party so even though the platforms between the democrat party and the republican party are different Mm -hmm. once they get elected and get into washington dc there's very little difference between them because they are owned by the same corporations
1: and mm. the same
0: lobbyists, yeah. right? They're, they're influenced and owned by them. Uh, whoever funds their campaigns are the people that basically tell them what to do when they get in office. office.
1: Mm, interesting. Okay.
0: Brought to you by Pfizer. Does that give a clue?
2: Yes. That's definitely uh, right? a clue. Uh-huh.
0: How how many news programs are you know f- sponsored by Pfizer?
2: Right, right. So,
0: do you think those news programs would be able to say anything um, negative about the pharmaceutical companies, including Pfizer, without getting their butts tanned by their sponsors?
1: <laughs> of
2: course not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they wouldn't be able to, right? So you no. can't you can't get you can't get, get true, honest news out of them, right? Right. You'll get you get. I call it trivia news. They'll give you a bunch of trivia,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then get into lively discuss discussions over what's a bunch of basically a bunch of trivia that really affects nothing, right? And they they pretend like that's news, like that's lively news, right? Right. Um, right. And it, it's the, same, it's the same thing you get out of both the Democrats and the Republicans in Congress.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: They, they tell you one thing when they're being elected, and then they turn around, sneak in your back door, and stab you in the back once they're in office.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and both parties and are pretty screwed up, too. Yeah. <clears throat> Each in their own way, right?
0: It so. doesn't, right. It doesn't matter what's in their platform if they're not going by their platform with, but, excuse me. once they get elected. hmm yeah. Right. So I'll give you an example of a uni, uni party action that occurred just recently. They renewed the Patriot Act
1: mm, and the right. FISA
0: courts, right? The secret yeah. warrants. And those, the Patriot Act number one, I said this from the very beginning, even back when Bush was president mm-hmm. and they brought that into mm-hmm. effect. It it violates uh, it it basically throws out the Fourth Amendment yeah. to the Constitution, and the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution is the con- is for those who are not that familiar with it is the is the amendment that protects you from unlawful search and seizure. Unreasonable right. is what is a term that's used, legal term that's used in the amendment. Unreasonable search and seizure, seizure, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So.
0: When I was uh, one of the things I had to, to to do when I was in law enforcement is I had to know the Fourth Amendment inside and out.
1: Mm.
0: That means I had I, I not only had to know. Uh, I not only had to hold on. I need to do something. I just got a text
1: from my wife, and I won't take long on this. There we go.
0: That way she won't call. Okay. Now, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, um, so the Fourth Amendment, like I said, protects us protects us from um, unreasonable search and seizure,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and there, there are only three exceptions to that. I, I had to know case law. On it, you know, Court decisions on the Fourth Amendment. I had to know wh- when to search, where to search. I mean, there, it, it became very, very detailed. As a matter of fact, they would send us to training courses. Even after 15, 20 years in law enforcement, we would go to training courses specifically on, only on the Fourth Amendment. Mm. I'd, I'd spend a whole day, eight hours in class, uh, where they were updating us on the Fourth Amendment when yeah. I was in law enforcement. Right. right, so that's how complicated it can get. But to simplify it, basically there's only three exceptions to uh, having a warrant to seize property or to ins- or to go in and-, and enter a residence or anything of that nature. Right. Number one, is consent. If you have consent from the owner of the vehicle or if you have consent from the homeowner, then you can go in. Number two. Is accident circumstances. Now that's uh, you. You get a call to go to a resident. Uh, you you ring on the doorbell, or you, they, they never actually use the doorbell because halftime doorbells don't work. They knock mm-hmm. on the door, um, and you hear screaming inside, and someone inside is screaming, saying, "Help me! Help me! Please help me!" That's called yeah. accident circumstances.
1: Mm-hmm. So okay. now
0: the office. Op- have what they call excellent circumstances to to enter that house and assist that individual right mm, that's right. an
1: example of that
0: the third which i which i understand through my uh my sources here locally um, was uh hot pursuit if you were going if you were in hot pursuit after a felony suspect and that felony suspect ran into a house as you're in the process of pursuing them Mm -hmm. you could run into that house after them right that i understand that that recently has been shot down by the supreme court Mm. so that pursuit may not be there any longer but the other two definitely are there so that's an example of fourth amendment right right now when you go through the airport and you're uh, your search, you basically go through a search
1: mm-hmm.
0: by TSA before you can get on a plane. All right. So, which where, what in the Fourth Amendment allows them to do that? Does accident circumstances? No, mm-hmm. that doesn't apply. No consent. Right. Well, they might say, "Well, it's implied consent if you if you go if you want to get on the plane,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you have implied consent to right. search." But I, I guarantee you most people don't want to be searched. They no, just want to get right. on the plane and plan, fly. Right. Right? So, um, so I don't think the consent is there. Unless unless you verbally tell them, yes, you can search me, or you sign a paper saying you can search me, there's no consent. And there's no probable cause. The other one was probable cause. Mm. If I, If I roll up on a car... And I stop them for either a Terry stop, Terry versus Ohio, if anybody wants to look that up, uh, which is an investigative stop. Or if I stop them for a traffic violation and I walk up and I smell marijuana or I see an illegal weapon in the car or something like that. Hmm. Now I have Hmm. Fourth Amendment. uh, I, I can under the Fourth Amendment search that car. Because I have what's called probable cause mm-hmm. to search. Right. Now, you, there's reasonable suspicion and there's probable cause, and people get confused between those two. Reasonable suspicion gives me a right to detain and to conduct an investigation. Probable cause gives me a right to make an arrest.
1: Mm. Okay. That right. means
0: that, that from my reasonable suspicion, of my investigation, I have developed enough information or enough evidence to make an arrest now when it comes to search you need uh, you need probable cause to search
1: okay
0: Mm. a warrant or probable cause now if you have something like the smell of marijuana coming out of the car and of course it doesn't matter if marijuana is legal in that state it's illegal to drive under those conditions because that's a dui or dwi situation
1: Mm-hmm.
0: if you're impaired you can't drive and if marijuana smoke is pouring out of the car then they're probably impaired and you have a right to do a field sobriety test or a field coordination test on them to determine if they are impaired and mm-hmm. you know because driving is different driving is not a right it's a privilege most people right. don't know that when you sign your driver's license it's a privilege they can take that privilege away from you Because everybody shares those roads. That's right. Right? So, now, having said all of that, the Patriot Act obliterates the Fourth Amendment. Mm. It completely obliterates it. And they have been using the FISA courts and their secret warrants to go after people that have done nothing wrong. If you're a Christian, you might want to listen to this because they're going to use that court sometime in the future to come after you because you will be considered to be a terrorist threat against the government. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Simply, simply for going to church on Sunday.
1: Yep.
0: They have recently declared. Uh, this is coming out of the Department of Justice, federal Department of Justice, that the Christian white male is a bigger threat to the federal government than Hamas. Wow. And uh, now I didn't know that Hamas was in the United States. I must have been misinformed on that. I thought they were over there in the Middle East. <laughs> <laughs> which made which made me laugh when I heard that statement because yeah. I was laughing as you know, so I was going. Okay, first of all, Hamas is over there; they're not over here. But it's a but I you you can you know the intent of the statement,
2: right? Exactly. It's to
0: say that the, the a, a Christian white male is the biggest threat to the federal government and uh-huh. to society yep. than anyone yep. else.
2: So it's basically Tip they're trying two. to tell you they're you're just as bad as, bad as they are. Although they're not in the United States, but you're just as bad as they are.
1: Right, <laughs> right. that's
2: kind of what they're trying to simply, tell you
0: exactly, simply for being a Christian white male,
2: yeah, yeah so oh and it, and it's more like, wait and it's even more an insult because obviously white white male is like the top of insults that you know can be out there, bro you're white, you're an insult, you're, you're an insult to society <laughs> so well, certain.
0: A certain segment of society, I would say, yes,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, Soci- but a, a segment uh-huh. of
0: society that believes that,
2: right? And that's kind of where I'm heading towards with that one, but because yeah. you know, anything that has white blank, you know, it's like it's insulting. You know what I mean to to that right. side? of What the that half of people or organization that we think about because that's the way they see it they see the white devil in you right they see that the corrupt whiteness it's to blame the privilege that you were born with and then again I, we we have this conversation when i've asked you brother what privilege did you have when you were born or were you when you came into this world did you have a whole lot of white privilege <laughs> did you even know what white privilege was growing up
0: <laughs> oh i no i didn't know no, I was born in 1960, brother. They, white privilege wasn't even a thing back then. <laughs> Nobody knew what that was. Exactly. Then,
1: exactly. Was,
0: yeah. Back then, it was a civil rights movement.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: And I remember right. in school, early days in school, the, the fights that occurred uh, during that time because of uh, this bigotry between whites and blacks, and. Uh, and i watched as as it began to settle down and, mm-hmm. and they began to blend together and they get along with each other a lot more um i had uh, i mean i i defended a black black uh martial arts fellow martial arts student we were in the martial arts together and i helped defend him from two two guys uh, trying to attack him with switchblades yeah two yeah. white guys right and uh right and i dropped i dropped the one guy with the switchblade so fast the other guy put his switchblade up and walked away it scared him <laughs> but uh, but yeah. i was just like i was like no you're not going to do this that's yeah. buster that's my that's my buddy yeah. you know and um you know buster ended up going into the marine corps and becoming a marine recon
1: wow wow Reti-
0: retired wow. out of the marine corps i mean he was he ended up being a a great patriot to the country
1: you know Mm -hmm.
0: matter of fact all the first generation students in that particular school ended up doing something of that nature you know i mean they were our Mm instructor was really toughened us up but but the point is is that um yeah during my time we were trying to figure out how to reconcile together and you know dr i mean uh, martin luther king jr's dream Mm
1: -hmm. that
0: we would live in harmony you know And that's what we were trying to figure out is how to live in harmony. What I'm seeing today is that being fractured and splitting apart again.
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: Absolutely. It's like it's it's opening up old wounds that should have never been opened up again. We should be moving way past that. Now, now, since we got into the subject um, and I don't think that was the intent of, you know, where we were heading with all this. But let me ask you what do you s- not see but what do you feel when you hear because uh, i've heard this before oh some of these churches are too white what it? first of all i ask oh, what good. what does that even mean right but what does it come to your mind when you hear people say oh that those churches are too white they're too white led well i <laughs> I think this is
0: uh the affirmative action mentality taking over in the church.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh a church is going to reflect its community. Absolutely. I mean, if you go into Southeast San Diego, the church is gonna be mostly black. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. You go you go into uh Barrio Logan, church is gonna be mostly Hispanic.
1: Mm hmm. Right.
0: Okay. You you go into Santee, they're going to be mostly white,
1: Mm -hmm. right? right.
0: These are all, for the folks that don't know, these are all communities in the San Diego area.
2: Melting Uh, pot. (laughs) And so that's,
0: yeah. So a church is going to reflect the community around it. What's the majority race of the community that's that's in that area? Right. Now the church, now the Providence Church of San Diego, brother, talk about its uh, racial makeup.
1: We
2: are a mix of all races, from Hispanic to American, to white Americans. We got some blacks. We got Filipinos. And we even have uh, one, of, uh, one of the brothers from church, Mary, uh, uh, this girl from Brazil, Brazilian. And we even have uh, another South American, I believe is our, no, Costa Rica, Costa Rican. So it's a blend of all. And uh, we don't see color, bro. You know, I mean, you, you came from that church. Uh, we don't see color. Yes, I we, did. we see a community of believers that are, you know, doing the best to live a life uh, with wisdom and grace towards mm-hmm. each other and grace towards our culture and our community. And the beauty of it all, we all get to hear the same gospel. Not a white gospel, now, not a brown gospel or a black gospel. The gospel. That's
0: I love that last part there. That's absolutely. Now, did you guys achieve? Did the Providence Church of San Diego? And you're right, I came from that church. Um, did they achieve that blend by a program that um, see, sought to get rid of too much whiteness out of the church and had kind of an affirmative action type of mentality where they sought to bring certain races into certain percentages or did was there something else that did that
2: most definitely something else and this church it's called providence of san diego now but that particular church started a while back and my brother knows this obviously because he he'd been there for a while too our first pastor was a, a black man Donnie Hamer and brother pastor Donnie Hamer. He was a great man, straight up guy, direct, hard, but very loving in many ways. And he loved people. He didn't care if you were white, brown, yellow, pink. He treated us all the same because he understood the community, the fellowship of believers and when there was people in need that came to our church that weren't part of our church, man, he would go above and beyond to serve them whichever best way he could. So that's kind of where we came from. We came from a, a servitude type of mentality where we serve our our body, our body, church body. It doesn't matter where, what background, where you come from. And I think that's what has us to this point where we're a melting pot of different culture, different races. Man, I love our potlucks, uh, potlucks because Man, you get Filipino food, you get Mexican food, you get pizza, hamburgers. You know what I mean? You get a little bit of everything, and man, I what, a, that. <laughs> what a that, bro! What a blessing, you know, to see all that good stuff. So it, it's yeah. kind of what where we came from. There was no thought, uh, thought of uh, oh, what culture you came from? Oh, we only need to speak lang- that language. No, it's like we all came to hear the gospel, He'll hear the truth, hear sound theology which I believe is what drives us all to be part of the church. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. But, you know, we we go to glorify the Lord on Sundays and the gathering throughout the weeks where if it's a small group or a prayer group, you know, we just love being around each other. And that's what, uh, you know, the church is all about.
0: Very well put. So would you say that it's the culture of the cross it 100
2: percent a culture of us that have put our faith and trust in jesus christ and we fall on our knees when it comes to the cross because we understand the price that was paid on the cross for our salvation
0: so the thing that could bring people together of all different cultures and and ethnicities would be the cross of christ
2: amen that is correct
0: the, you know, and that, and that's a lesson for the church. Stop Absolutely. trying to be the world and act like the world when it comes to this affirmative action mentality, the CRT religious cult mentality, mm-hmm. and get back to the cross, and those issues will be resolved. Mm-hmm. Now, the church I go to is what many people would call too white. T O O. Sure. White, right, <laughs> right. But the community that I live in is over ninety-eight percent white, right. And and guess what? When when we moved in, I'm sorry. Now Gabe's trying to call me. Let me text him. Uh, you know why? Why is it when we go to do a podcast, all of a sudden everybody wants to call me? <laughs> but the, the community is mostly now. As a matter of fact, when we moved in, I uh, I think we actually brought the Asian culture in with us because Marie's Olympia,
1: mm, my wife, bro, it has become
0: has become absolutely famous in this place. I'm just saying.
1: Yeah. So no, I,
2: I, folks, I've tasted those Olympias, and let me tell you, mm, 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 mm i tell you what, those holiday parties at your house, bro. Mm. Yeah.
0: Uh, go ahead and keep talking, bro. I'm, I'm texting. I was son. just going <laughs> to say
2: my brother and his bride would invite us, uh, the church, you know, church uh, people to go over to their house around, you know, Christmas, between Christmas and Thanksgiving. And. We would just have a feast, and the main dishes of so being oh, a Filipino he would make a feast. Oh, my goodness! From the pancit seat to the lumpia to the po- to the adobo. Oh, bro, <laughs> your
0: uh, mouth's watering, isn't it? <laughs>
2: man, I tell you, the fellowship. Oh, and to top it off, no.
0: there was coke. Oh, huh. We, huh. oh, the fellowship, we would have. Like a, a christmas fellowship or something at our yeah. house right yeah. our little house we'd mm-hmm. stuff like 60 people in there oh yeah we'd have black hispanic white asian uh, and everything in between filipino you name it we'd all gather the house and have a great time we even had uh we also had um chaldeans yeah, that would Chaldeans? Come, Yeah, our neighbors. Our neighbor Chaldeans would come over because there was a whole, there's an entire, uh, uh, I think they're from Iraq, an entire Chaldean community right there in uh, el oh yeah. oh, yeah, and uh, so I mean, we had it, it was an international, I mean, we could have had a UN meeting, <laughs> it was an international <laughs> gathering, right?
2: <laughs> that is so true. That is so, so true. I mean,
0: there is harmony in Christ. That's the whole point. We don't need to artificially create something that's not there. Right. Or artificially create something that's already there because of the cross. Right. So if you're living in a community like this, it's 98% white, how are you going to make the makeup of the church um, a third Asian, a third Black, a third Hispanic? Right. And maybe some whites, right? Or maybe mm-hmm. a, for, a fourth, a fourth, a fourth, and a fourth. You would have to import people from out from other counties right. into your church, right? I mean, it's just, and that's just, that doesn't make any sense at all. It's nonsensical. Mm-hmm. They have their own churches that they can go to in those areas, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's it's, that's human thinking. God doesn't think that way. Right. Yeah, go into all the world, but what we're learning is just like what uh, my son-in-law found out as as he was a missionary to India, is that sometimes it's the people of that culture and of that particular race that do better with um, with dealing with the government and dealing with um, uh, situations of understanding the gospel in that particular culture than the missionaries do, mm, right? Right. So you've got to, you, I mean, the gospel is the same. I mean, it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, right? And in, uh, us believing on the cross, believing in Christ for our sake, uh, believing in his work on the cross, for uh, redeeming us of our sins. That's the gospel. But that can be translated... In different ways, in different cultures, as far as how it's presented, um, sometimes people uh, feel more comfortable with people that are like them presenting that gospel to them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that's happening with the Muslim community is that former Muslims who are now Christians are in making inroads in presenting the gospel. To mm-hmm. the people who those mosques and so forth. And they're being more successful than someone like I would be. Right. You know, I'm the outsider coming in. I don't know understand their culture. I don't know their culture. I may have read the Quran, but I don't have a full understanding of it the way someone who came out of that religion. Uh, would understand it so i mean there's there's a it's a complicated thing there's other things you have to think of so this this is just nonsensical this whole thing about trying to uh, make the church more color colorful rather than just white you know i mean if you go into southeast Mm -hmm. san diego it's not very colorful it's mostly black right you go right. into you go into Lo- Logan Heights. You go into uh, Barrio Logan. It's mostly Hispanic, right? right? You go to you go to certain areas of, of Linda Vista. You go to National City. Go up to Mira Mesa Boulevard up in San Diego, mostly Asian, right? Right. And then there's areas that are mostly white. That's just how it is this whiteness to the CRT cult is the original sin. Yeah. And right. they actually, I think some of those folks actually believe that if you get rid of white people, you'd have utopia on earth.
2: Oh, absolutely. That's what they think. They yeah. believe that. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Good. But stuff, you, the, the point is you won't.
1: Right. Sin, sin infect, abounds. Yeah. All yeah.
2: People. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, yeah. uh, and and you put it right there you hit the nail in the head it's it's a sinful problem it's a sin problem right. that is within us that uh, a lot of right. people don't or even if they do realize that it, it's there they don't believe that they're bad enough that that sin is is of trouble to anyone when it's like no it's always going to be the biggest trouble the sin in yourself your pride you know that's what's going to be the problem that's why the bible calls us to you know, daily, not repentance, but confession by way of repentance. Because although we are saved, past, present, and future uh, uh, sins, we're going to continue to sin, but we are called to confess that sin. How else can we not make light by pointing out that sin, by confessing it? And not only that, confessing it, sometimes even before our brothers and sisters, so that they can see how genuine a heart can be by saying, hey, I am struggling with the sin. I'm confessing it. Let's work together to help me out or help each other out or, you know, make our life better as believers walking the same path, the direction we're heading. Right.
0: Yeah. And of course, Romans 3 says that all of sinners come toward the glory of God. And, I, and the word all, all there being a pronoun,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, has to, it's, a, it's an antecedent. It has to have an, a, an object, right? Mm-hmm. And the object, according to the context of that passage, is Jew and Gentile. Mm-hmm. So it would mean all of humanity, all of humanity has sinned. So not just white people. It's not just white people, right? I was watching a video today of, I can't remember who it was. Uh, His name escapes me, but he's uh, 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 Thomas Sowell. Thomas Sowell. And uh, Thomas Sowell was saying that the... um, the slave trade that were, were Northern Africans were going into Europe and, and um, they were kidnapping um, European Christians, white Christians mm-hmm. and bringing them into Northern mm-hmm. Africa to be uh, slaves in Northern Africa. Um, and it, it, it includes the Barbary pirate circumstance mm-hmm. there where they were doing that, um, that that was a larger slave trade. Then the one that, that occurred uh, where Africans were selling other Africans to the white European slave traders
1: mm, and bringing mm-hmm.
0: them uh, the transatlantic slave trade was actually a smaller slave trade than the one where northern Africans were enslaving uh, white Europeans. Yeah. Slavery was a worldwide enterprise. It was a worldwide economic enterprise during mm-hmm. that time. And had been for thousands of years, and all races enslaved all other races. Right. It was just depend on who was in power at the time. And it was
1: all so, about the
2: money.
0: That's how you made money. Yeah, Always, money. It was always about economics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the transatlantic slave trade was about economics. It was about the southern cotton uh, harvest, right? Right. And uh, and uh, things of that nature. You know, in the South, cotton is king. I see these cotton trucks rolling down down the road all the time down here, brother. I mean,
1: oh, uh, I bet you go right
0: <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, big, <clears throat> big, old, huge rolls of cotton just mm-hmm. just harvested off the farms in this area here, um, and you see the cotton fields everywhere.
1: Yeah,
0: um, and you know, so I mean that that was a it that was an economic thing. Now it doesn't make it right
1: because
0: mm-hmm. man stealing is um, was forbidden in Scripture. Leviticus mm-hmm. forbade uh, man stealing when it comes to. Slavery, right? Yeah.
2: Well, and before you um, head forward on that, mm-hmm. let's let's talk about biblical slavery. And if you can explain the difference between biblical slavery, how that came about, how it was carried out, and the purpose for it, compared to what man considers to be slavery nowadays. Obviously, you just explained quite a bit of, uh, you know, uh, during your time growing up, uh, you know, with the Martha Luther King advocating for the rights of uh, all individuals. And uh, so give us a little bit perspective of what true biblical slavery, because a lot of people have a false understanding, a bad understanding what about slavery. They think because the Bible mentions slavery and they have a mindset, a, a, a secular mindset of what slavery is. They equal what biblical slavery is to their worldview as far as slavery, and they think, "Oh, see, it's bad. The Bible talks about slavery, therefore we we have to not adhere to it anymore."
0: But they have a, They have a, um, a Hollywood movie version, exactly, or understanding of slavery, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes right. to what the right. Bible says of slavery. Now, biblical slavery in the Bible was twofold. Number one was a POW, prisoner of war. Mm -hmm. we have that today you know there are prisoners of war today right right uh that's one form uh the other form was an economic form of servanthood Mm -hmm. where um if you uh well there you know you you could go into debtor's jail in roman times Mm -hmm. right right if you owed a debt you couldn't pay it um now we have a different set of laws. There are more civil laws today when it comes to that. Nobody goes to jail today for owing, owing right. money to someone else uh, unless they commit a fraud. Now that's mm-hmm. a different matter that's but right. and then there was um there was this, there was a servanthood uh to where you could repay the debt by serving the other person um <laughs> uh, it's like the, uh, when they tell you, okay, get back in the kitchen, start working until you pay off your debt. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or, you know, I, I heard one the other day where some dad was telling the son, um, if they, they, if they, you know, bumped up against the table in the store and, and, uh, this expensive piece of, uh, glass uh, sculpture or whatever fell and broke he said you're gonna be you're gonna be sweeping the floor for a long time there son you break
1: that right <laughs>
0: so it, if you think about that that's basically what it was it was mm-hmm. it was um you were in debt and the bible says the proverb says that the debtor is slave to the lender right mm-hmm. right so right. if you're in yeah. debt and you couldn't pay that debt you would work it off and right. that was a form of slavery, working it off, right? Working off the debt. Now, every seven years, the year of jubilee, those debts were 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 required under biblical law to be forgiven. That's right. They were required to be forgiven, right? So um, that means that that debt is wiped out every mm-hmm. every seven years. Right. That was God's way of of restarting the economy. And that was God's way of saying, look, some people are not going to be able to work it off, you know, for the whole life because they're, you know, they, uh, they just can't do it. There's just too much debt. Right. 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 God is merciful when it comes to that. So the year of Jubilee. Now, if, if the person got to the year of Jubilee and said, you know what, I, I don't want to go out on my own because I can't survive on my own or um, I can't separate the family because, you know, uh, because there were certain circumstances where the family would be separated because of uh, how the family came about. You know, if, if he married uh, the daughter of the the father, right. Mm -hmm. The, the, The daughter would stay in the father's house, that type of thing. So, and that gets kind of complicated, but the thing is is that if they wanted to stay, they would they would uh, get an earring, they would hammer an earring on, saying that i I pledge to serve this individual the rest of my days. Mm-hmm. right?
1: That's right.
0: Now there were laws in the Levitical laws, biblical laws saying you cannot mistreat a servant. you cannot mistreat a slave.
1: Mm-hmm. That's so this right.
0: stuff about beating beating of slaves or mistreating them uh mm-hmm. doing all kinds of horrible things that was forbidden in levitical law and biblical law that's right you had to treat you had to treat them well that's and right some slaves that some slaves didn't want to leave because they were treated so well
2: yeah and i believe and also in the family right and wasn't that part of that culture in that time that if let's say you weren't making it financially, you couldn't take care of your family, you would offer yourself as a slave, you know, to whomever wanted to take you in. And it was in the Mosaic Log, what it did, it regulated to where you were to be treated as a worker for that individual you were offering yourself as a slave to. But they, like you say, they would treat you well, they would pay you, they will have a place for you to stay and sleep with your family. And you had this hours of where you needed to work and you work for that space you got for being treated well, being provided for. Uh, uh, And I think I I was reading somewhere that it was something about like, it was six years you could do for six years. And then on on that seventh year, I cannot remember what the seventh year did, but for six years, you were able to do that. And you were covered on the Mosaic lock that you were able, because it was rushed, it was regulated. And It it was checked upon. They checked upon the masters to make sure they were treating their slaves well, and they would do like interviews and stuff. Like, are you being treated well? Are you working as hard as you're supposed to?
0: I really think the term "slave" is not adequate to for people to understand what that meant. Right. It's it's more. It's more. They were. Think of it as a life, lifetime, lifelong employee that was a part of the family. That's basically what it was. Now, we economic slavery never went away. Right. The income tax is a form of economic slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh 29.99% interest rate on credit cards is a, and that's what it is, if you yeah. look at the fine print. Yeah. That's a form of economic slavery.
1: Yeah. Right? Right.
0: Some of these bank loans and so forth are a form of economic slavery. And you and people have gotten themselves into so much debt these days that they're, economically they are in in a form of slavery to these companies that basically own them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They don't if they don't pay those debts, the car gets repossessed. Oh the, yeah, the uh, house mm-hmm. the house uh, is taken right uh i, I can't remember. it's not called repossession i can't remember what to call it when they take the house but you know if you don't pay your mortgage your, your house is gone your car mm-hmm. is gone
1: yeah
0: uh, foreclosure and they still come after you foreclosure <laughs> thank you and they still come after you in court oh yeah oh yeah right you still owe that debt mm-hmm. right oh yeah so is this system any better than the system that they had in under Levitical law? I'd say no. no I'd say it's absolutely worse. Not.
1: Yeah. I, I'd, I'd say it's a
0: worse system because they don't, there's no year of Jubilee.
1: No, you don't hit right. the
0: seventh year that you have that debt and they say, okay, it's all forgiven. They don't do that. So this is a worse system economically. Yeah. No, absolutely.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, and and so, yeah, you know, I mean, if you think about it, if you look at it that way, then you begin to have a different perspective.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That is huge because, again, having a complete misunderstanding of how slavery, you know, worked in uh, in the Bible and how, you know, it's taken today is completely different, brother. And they're trying to equal what slavery is in Scripture, to make it seem how bad it is nowadays. And they're trying to equal that. And it's just not, it's not it. First of all, you don't understand the context of what the Bible talks about being a slave. And again, slave can be, you know, it sounds like such a bad word, such a dirty word, right? That they think that, man, that's bad. You own slaves. So imagine all the biblical, you know, persons that own slaves
0: (laughs) probably would be hated. Yeah. What they're picturing is the, the Southern plantation owner, it's exactly. uh, really nasty and mean toward his mm-hmm. slaves. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's the only thing that's in their head because that's what's been ingrained in their head through propaganda. Yeah. That's not what it was biblically at all. Not even close.
1: No.
0: Not even close. And the thing is is that, um, is that 29.99% interest, which is basically 30% interest on credit cards, mm-hmm. that, is, that is condemned in Scripture. Mm. That is called usury. Yeah. In scripture, and it is heavily condemned. It that is considered to be pure evil
1: mm.
0: in scripture, and yet, and yet, we are, we are enslaved. And this credit system, which I believe is purely evil, the yeah. whole credit system concept that, that our economics are based on uh, the FICA scores and all that pure evil, unbiblical. Mm-hmm uh satanic in my thinking okay because you're chasing a credit score not not looking at the real uh question of how do i uh how do i create a family legacy and pass inheritance onto my children through real money rather than looking at a score right Right.
1: um
0: and, and that so there's a whole discussion there I believe that the credit system is unbiblical. I believe God frowns upon it. Uh, everything in Scripture condemns it, and it's and so we have bought into this economic system of credit scores and building credit,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and it's, we've been our, we have been brainwashed into it mm. by the banks and right. by the big corporations. And if we don't break our break free from it we will buy into a social credit score very easily because mm-hmm. we've already been been controlled and manipulated into believing in a FICA score mm-hmm. it's not a very big jump from a FICA score to a social credit score right they have been conditioning us for to do this for years and the vast majority of people have bought into it can't think beyond it can't think outside of it and it's time we break free from that system Mm -hmm. that would do more toward helping us economically than anything else
2: amen amen i agree i agree completely and folks and people think
0: people think they can't live without a credit card you actually can
2: no absolutely not only that brother if we do a little bit more research and we look to some great opportunities that are out there where it allows you, even if you do a credit, but what it does, depending on what you spend or purchase, you get six or up to 12, 18 months of no finance charges as long as you paid off the monthly or pay a little bit more to pay off. Those are good debts because you're not you know, paying all the extra financing. I'm starting to find out more about these things, and it's it all. It takes a little bit more research from people, but you know, sometimes we want we want it fast, bro. We want it fast. I don't care if it's going to cost me thirty percent interest. I want it. You know, so well. I, I have
0: a I have a car in the shop getting an engine put in it. Yeah. Right. You know, what we did. We parked that car in the garage until we could save up the money to get that engine put in. Yeah. yeah. We didn't go throw ten thousand dollars down on plastic to do it. Yeah. Right. And then pay thirty percent interest thereafter. Mm-hmm. That's not you. You talk to anyone who has been successful financially. That's not what they do. Right. If you understand how to be successful financially, go to someone who's actually successful financially. Mm-hmm. Stop listening to your cousin. Stop listening to your coworker at work. Stop listening to your neighbor who thinks they know everything that they, they could. They want to advise you on finances because they think they know it all. And they're in debt up their, their eyeballs. Yep, yep. <laughs> go to someone who has zero debt. They have money in the bank. They're living not paycheck by paycheck, che- che- paycheck to. Ch- to ch- I can't say it. Paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. To paycheck. paycheck
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're living. They have a surplus. Yeah, and when an emergency comes, emergency comes along, they can pay it, and they don't have to go borrow money to pay it. They they are their own credit card. Mm, mm-hmm. Zero interest. Yeah. Right. Right. Go to someone like that who's done that and ask them, How did you do this? Mm. You know, how did a Warren Buffett become a Warren Buffett? Ah, he didn't do it on airline miles on a credit card, I guarantee you. And he didn't do it by a credit system.
1: That's Mm-mm. not how he did it. Right. Good stuff. So, Good stuff, bro. I'm
2: loving it.
0: There's hey, so many other things we could have talked about. We, we That's where we landed. That's, that's where we
2: landed, started. bro. But you know what? It, it, <laughs> it's, no, it's great the way it worked out because recently we were talking about, and we touched upon it, uh, the whole whiteness thing, right? And we happened to stumble upon this subject as we were going through uh, uni party, which led into, you know, uh, the rest that we, we were talking about. So that's good. I love that, the way that these things okay. flow. And folks, this, this is just the way we set it up. We just... Think of something as we're going along and we'll tackle it. So this is where we're at. Hey, let me, and I'm going to set it up this way. Bro, are you ready for the holiday? The very special holiday coming up. Are you going to be putting cookies out and milk for Santa Claus? Oh. You know, because <laughs> the reindeers are going <laughs> to land on top of your roof. You know, sprinkles coming down your chimney. I mean, I'm guessing this place, is a fireplace at your house. Unless you don't have a hard fireplace and he's going to come knocking at the door. Hey, let me in. I got to drop off your gift. Come on. <laughs> is that the reason the North- why you're celebrating? CeCe's greetings.
0: <laughs> the NPIA is going to show up at our house and and sneak us out in the middle of night and put us in North Pole jail if we get on this subject. <laughs> the NIPA, the North or MPIA, the hey. North Pole Intelligency Agency. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go, the
2: MPIA. So th- they're going to come knocking <laughs> us. Uh, you know Mr. Claymore, <laughs> it seems that you've been uh, cotton-headed nini muggins, uh, therefore we need to throw you in jail for uh, X amount of time because you've been in on the naughty list. <laughs> hey, bro, like but, but thing- wait, everybody's in the I- Christmas spirit was- right now. Like, you see a lot more lights in houses and displays. Maybe you get a nice, beautiful doll as the baby Jesus and a nice, beautiful manger, you know. And then, you know, Joseph is nice, well trimmed up. His hair looks good. Mary's got her best makeup on. You know, it's very so spiritual right now, bro. It's a come on. Is, isn't is that the reason why we do this? Bro. Tell us what we'll reason why we <laughs> celebrate what we celebrate. <laughs> I
0: like the St. Nick you know, you know Nick. you know the, the Santa Claus that I like? It's the one that punched oh. Arius in the face. That's the one I like.
2: They would, uh, yeah, allegedly, right? Yeah. Got him so upset because he was teaching <laughs> the, really in, bad the, theology. Well, the the St. Nick said, enough, dude. Pow. Yeah. <laughs> no, right 325
0: at AD at the Council of Nicaea?
2: Yep. That's the one. The,
0: the, 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 the real Saint Nick that the yeah. modern one is based on, yeah. um uh punched a heretic named Arius yep. in the face. Because Arius challenged the deity of Christ, if I remember right.
2: The deity of Christ. Um, oh, that's correct.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh,
2: Saint Nick <laughs> got tired of yeah. him not getting it. He's yeah. like, well, oh, bro, one thing to do. He's uh, gonna lay you out. <laughs> There
0: is that. There, there has been violence in Christianity and <laughs> Christian Christian history. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that was, yeah. That was,
2: that was one of them.
0: <laughs> people still talk about that. So um, now let me let me put it, let me throw a twist on this. Okay. All right. Let's 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 go with the tree because that's the thing everybody gets all worked up over, right? The tree,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. The
0: decorated house. All right. And they even go to Jeremiah 10, right? Uh Uh-huh, that's right. And they say that that was a Christmas tree, right? All right. Yeah. I'm going to throw a twist on it. Uh Uh-oh. Because I've had had a lot of time to think about this. Uh. Who who created the evergreen tree?
2: Oh, no, you did not go there. Well, God did. Hello. God created created the evergreen tree, right? He created the trees, of course. Well, let me
0: ask you a question. What's Satan doing with it? oh it's god's tree exactly that's god's tree that's not satan's tree why do you think god made that tree to stay green in the
1: winter Ooh. what do you think the purpose of that was <laughs> oh now you got me thinking bro wait
2: i know huh? hey, we got created. <laughs> we know that why did he keep it green well.
0: Um show the ancient so world so
2: you can hold, hang hang your ornaments in it and they look beautiful no no <laughs> it was to show the
0: ancient world that he was the god of the harvest not those false gods amen yep that tree mm-hmm. represents god being the god of the harvest god almighty that's right and not baal not baal not uh Molech. Uh, not any of those other ancient gods that Israel would run to and worship.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, God created that tree to stay green to show them that there is life in the midst of a dead winter.
1: Mm. Right? Mm-hmm.
0: That's why God made that, that tree stay green. That's God's tree. That's not right. not the pagan's tree, right? Yeah. So, what did the pagan do? The pagan took that tree that God invented, that God created. For the purpose of giving people, in the in the dead of winter in the ancient world when there were no grocery stores, mm-hmm. right? Um, hope that yeah. Yeah, that look spring is coming, and God is the God of the harvest, right?
1: Mm,
2: that's right.
0: So what did the pagan do? The pagan took that tree and changed its symbolity is is (laughs) symbolic symbolism there we go Mm -hmm. (laughs) to one of oh no no this is our tree and our it represents our gods. it represents the god of fertility the goddess of fertility right isis Mm -hmm. ashtar asteroth that's what the tree was along with the planet venus Mm -hmm. who created the planet venus hello God did. Mm -hmm. Yep. So what happens is Satan takes what God created and perverts it. Yeah. So that tree does not represent what Satan wants it to represent. It represents what God wants it to represent.
2: Mm. That's good. That's good.
0: So the question of the tree. And. Even if you're so, let's say Jeremiah 10 is about the tree and not about them carving out an idol. I can't find carving out an idol in Jeremiah 10. I'm sorry. I no. think it's talking about setting a tree upright. Right. So, why were they doing that? They were taking what God had designed to give them hope in the middle of the, win- in the winter, right? Mm-hmm. The God of the harvest, and they were perverting it for the worship of Isis, for the, or the worship of the um the fertility god of god's of fertility mm-hmm. and Amen. so what was that about? why the gods of fertility because they believed that that was the God of the harvest that's right that's right, right mm-hmm. that the gods of fertility mm-hmm. would bring them a good harvest so that they could survive the winter right, and right. that's what God punished Israel for was replacing him with a with a false God, and I believe those false gods were um Actual demons, actual fallen angels that were mimicking being a god. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they would actually, uh, you know, I mean that that their presence would be around that tree, not because it's an evergreen tree, mm-hmm. and not because it was decorated, but because of the the heart attitude of the people who used it. Now, the question of a tree today is. Is that tree in the house that's decorated during this time of the year, is that tree a tree of covetousness? Or is that tree a tree that represents that God is the harvest, the God of the harvest?
1: Mm. He is the
0: one who brought life in the midst of darkness, light in the midst of darkness, life in the midst of a dead, sinful winter.
1: Amen. Winter
0: representing our sinfulness, the deadness of the planet through sin. Spring representing resurrection, new life, right? Mm
1: -hmm. Even the
0: seasons, even the winter solstice and the summer equinox and so forth was stolen by Satan. God meant it for for something different, and Satan perverted it. He perverts everything that God does. So the question of the tree is our heart.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: If, if that tree is a tree of covetousness, then that tree is evil. Amen. If it's a tree where we look at it and we say, this represents God giving life in a dead world. It represents... Now, God never told us to use a tree to do that.
1: Right.
0: Right? There's nothing in Scripture saying that we are supposed to do that with a tree. Mm-hmm. But... They would they would go up on the high places and they'd put their idols under the tree,
1: mm-hmm.
0: their right. Fam, fam, right. family idol looms right, and and they would worship those idols under that tree because that tree was was the gods of fertility and those idols were they were the lower gods that were protected that particular family, right. right, right. Today we put presents under a tree. Okay, is that a tree of covetousness Mm. where we're coveting those presents or is that a tree of life where we see the evergreen tree and we see that God gives life in the midst of a dead world that's the question of the tree in my mind
2: that's a good one
1: I like that that's uh
2: well thought of and well put together uh your explanation and these are things that uh, people, and I'm talking to the audience now, uh, consider these things. Don't no, We're not saying it's right, it's wrong. It's, again, my brother just mentioned it. It's a matter of the heart. Where is your heart at? It's centered upon the message of the gospel. Therefore, you approach, you know, putting up trees, lights for the glory of God. Praise the Lord. That's the point of that. If you're doing it because you're doing it out of a prideful, a paganist type of then obviously there's a problem there we have a you know our truth is not set on the gospel uh so Mm -hmm. and this is the reason why we discuss these things right because we see this a lot and there's always confusion conviction and should i even put this up should i not put that up you know when it comes to biblical discernment and wisdom we have black and white right some things are black and white but then we've got this entire gray area, brother. That it's like, whoa. right? <laughs> We're disagreeing. Yeah, and wisdom you know come into play.
0: I go with if the person has a strong conviction that they will not have a tree in their house, I honor that conviction. Yeah, absolutely. And if a person has a conviction that, well, this tree is not something that is a hindrance; it's something that that we worship Christ. I would say be cautious in how you do that. <laughs> Think about it, you know. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um but if it's not an issue, you have to, each each family's gonna to have to make up their mind on that. Amen. Right. Mm-hmm. We have manger scene right here in our house. We don't um, have a tree, we have manger scene. Yeah. Uh and of course it's got all the characters when the you know, we know the wise yeah. men didn't show up right. till till about two, three years later. Right, right. right. But when I look at it, now, I'm thinking, okay, I know, I know it's not correct, but it does represent all the people who did eventually show up.
2: Yeah, right. You think of it that way. No,
1: absolutely.
0: Uh, and it's not. I don't look at it as Solus Invictus, the mm-hmm. Eternal Sun. Right. Yeah, yeah. In other words, the the pagan, the pagan rebirth of the Eternal Sun every year during the spring once again that's a, that's 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 satan hijacking or perverting what god did mm. spring comes around every year and represents resurrection yeah right so right. it it really depends yeah. it it's really a matter of our heart yeah are we looking at spring and seeing jesus christ resurrected and him resurrected in us or are we looking at spring and seeing the pagan version of it of the uh, the the resurrection every year of the pagan pagan gods,
1: Amen.
0: right? There, there's that there, is it Osiris, the story of Osiris, right? And how how you know one of them was chopped up and all that, and then he came back in the spring and all this. Uh, all repre- it's just all representation of nature, yeah. And depending on the wrong thing for the harvest. But if we look at it and we say, Lord, you are the Lord of the harvest. And spring represents the resurrection of the plants every year, which represents the spiritual resurrection of the heart in in redemption. That's different than looking at at the son, the baby in the manger and seeing a, a solus invictus and a pagan spring,
1: mm-hmm. two
0: totally different things. so the same symbolism, different meanings to the same symbolism.
2: Mm. good stuff.
0: think of it that way. yeah. Good so stuff, they take the brother. manger, and they, yeah. They take the manger and they steal it, and mm-hmm. they turn it into something pagan.
2: Right, right, right. Which te- it's what you're gonna see in a secular world. So, well put, right. brother. Hey, if you have nothing else to say, we're running really short on time. So you know what to do, bro. And by the way, folks, we're gonna fit in another one, another podcast right before Christmas. So, and I think we'll have some good stuff to talk about. So, then that, bro, nice. you know what to do.
0: Well, good to see you, again, uh, see you again, brother. My tongue's getting twisted, so it's time to go. <laughs> Remember, keep in mind, Sharp Cartridge,
2: we'll see you in the next podcast. And we'll catch you on the. Flip
1: side. You have been listening to the Vortex Apologetic podcast.
2: Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to listen to the Vortex Apologetic It is our prayer that God is glorified and that you are richly blessed by this podcast. We are living in amazing times, and it is a privilege to encourage and strengthen your Christian walk through the use of modern technology. Therefore, remember that you can find us at TheVortexApologetic.com, Facebook, Twitter, youtube and all major podcast providers just search for the vortex apologetic and there you will find us thank you again and remember keep your mind sharp and your heart pure god bless